you back there. Amen. Today, if you have your Bible, if you'll turn to Luke chapter 2, we'll start with verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And here's what it reads. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. Goodwill toward men. So it was. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told of them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told of them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds, then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told of them. And today I want to talk to you about the shepherd. And I think many of us can probably relate a little bit to this text. The shepherd. Just a shepherd. You know, probably for many of us, we've been raised in families where we just felt like, it's just me. How could God use me? How is that even possible? Why would God use me? What gifting do I have? How can I be a benefit to the kingdom of God? How can I be a benefit? I was reminded this morning during my prayer time that God said, Well, Todd, guess what? There was a young man who took down a giant called Goliath. And all he was was just a shepherd boy. There was Samuel. Samuel called upon Jesse. He asked Jesse, he said, Jesse, bring your boys here. One of them needs to be anointed. So he brings all the boys. And after he's done, and he's, I call it the Cinderella story for guys. And Samuel's looking at all these guys, he's like, no, that's the ugly stepson, that's the ugly stepson, that's the ugly stepson, move along, move along, move along. He said, wait a minute, you're missing somebody. Who are you missing? He goes, oh, my son, he's out attending to the flock. He's out tending to his sheep. He's just, oh, you wouldn't believe our son. He's something else. You know, he's just, "Eh, I don't, I brought you the best. He goes, that's not up to you, that's up to God. I want to see who else you have. There was David. David was out there busy attending to his sheep. Good old David. So he shows up and he receives the anointing 
from Samuel. Here was just a young boy at 15 was used of God. Don't put limits on God. When you think of the shepherds, you can't think of one that made tons of money and had the greatest capability of picking up the limousine camels and picking up, you know, the servants and all these things and made their way back to the big city of Bethlehem, the house of bread where Jesus is the bread of life. No, he said, you know what? I think a shepherd boy probably could do more for me than the guy who has the limousine camels. The reality is, God can do a lot with you. God can do a lot for you. You have to know your potential. You have to dig deep and find your spiritual gift. And don't abuse it. You must use it. Most people are familiar with the passage that I just read. Probably one of the greatest passages that's in the, that's in the Bible. Because most people quote Luke chapter 2. But very few people ever and rarely crack open the Bible because they say, well, we know Luke chapter 2. These verses from Luke have entered the popular culture through who? One of the greatest stories of all time, Linus. From this famous speech in the Charlie Brown Christmas video, every December since 1965, in between televised scenes of the Grinch slithering around Whoville and George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life being saved by Clarence the Angel just as he's about to jump off the Bedford Falls Bridge and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer running around the North Pole with Herbie, an elf who wants to be a dentist. In the midst of it all, we have Linus who discovers the true meaning of Christmas in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 2. And we can't have Christmas pass us without this most popular video of all times. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. If I could only have a voice like that, right? That's what Christmas is about, Charlie Brown. I don't know how long you guys would listen to me, but you know. It's certainly a welcome change of pace this December to hear the Bible being quoted on television. 
I got to say this, instead of fake news, right? And I'd much rather turn on the TV right now and see Charlie Brown or even the Grinch than that of CNN or politics. But my concern is that with all the annual repetitions, the familiarity of the story of the shepherds can cause us to take it for granted. To overlook just how amazing this incident really is. Because it's not just the story of God's love for some shepherds. It's the story about God's love for us. And if we consider this story carefully, we'll see that it has a message of love and hope for each one of us that are here this morning. So let's start by looking at the most obvious feature of the story. Who does God announce the birth of his son to? Who does he invite to come and see the new baby? A ragtag collection of sheep herders. There's only one announcement of Christ's birth recorded in the scriptures. Only one invitation from God to anyone to come visit Mary and Joseph and the infant Jesus. And that one invitation goes to a bunch of uneducated, smelly, low-class, social and religious outcasts, a bunch of shepherds. So let me tell you a little bit about shepherds. You know, I, I know sometimes people, they see the picture, but I don't know that in our culture, we understand what farmers are, and maybe some of you were raised on a farm, but very few have farms anymore. We're seeing less and less of them. A few years back, uh, Pastor Luke and I, we were driving all over Hell Farm and Village, and all, all we couldn't find sheep. To save my life, I wanted to, I, I wanted to do this video. It was almost impossible. And then we stumbled upon a place where I saw a couple sheep out in the pasture. And the gentleman, because it's part of, I, won't, I don't want to say this out loud, but I will, Hell Farm and Village. Oh, did I just say that? I, in order for me to take a picture with a sheep, I had to sign off. And nobody was around in the office to sign off on taking a picture with the sheep. I looked at him and I said, really? It's all right. I don't need to sign off. I didn't know they were that popular that we couldn't. So we did what anybody would do. We stood out by the road and still did the video without it, right? I mean, I'm thinking, come on, sheep, poor little things. They're probably lamb chops. Now, I mean, did I say that? But, you know, and they were all worried about me signing off on it. I thought, this is crazy. But let me tell you a little bit about, you know, shepherds and what sheep are like. And they were the last people that you'd expect God to take notice. They're the last people that you would think God would take notice of. First of all, they were religious outcasts. According to Jewish religious law, these men were unclean. Their line of work prevented them from participating in the feast and holy days that made up the Jewish religious calendar. Why? Well, somebody had to watch the sheep. And when everyone else was making the trip to Jerusalem to make sacrifices at the temple or to participate in one of the annual feasts, they were out in the fields watching over sheep. Quite an important task. Quite a boring task. But I want to challenge you this morning to think about this. When others see a shepherd boy... God may see a king. 
When others may see a shepherd boy, God may see a king. Modern day example might be a trucker or a shift worker whose job keeps them from regularly attending church. It wasn't really their fault that they were looked down on from a religious point of view. Whatever might have been in their hearts, they weren't able to participate fully in the religious life of that community. Not only that, but shepherds were borderline social outcasts since they were constantly on the move to find new pasture for their flocks. They were looked on with suspicion, kind of the way kind of the way that people today might look at a gypsy or carnival workers. They were often accused of being thieves. And if something came up missing, oh, must have been those shepherds. They were not permitted to give testimony in a legal proceeding because their word wasn't considered trustworthy. And on top of all that, they really didn't have much contact with other people. Most of the time they were living out in the fields, as verse 8 actually reads. This was not a 40-hour-a-week job. They didn't come home at night. They were with the sheep 24 hours a day, seven days a week. During the day, they led sheep to grass. They led sheep to water. They watched while their sheep grazed. They kept an eye out for predators like wolves. And at night, they actually slept in the, sleep, in the sheep pen with the sheep to guard against theft and animal attack. A good shepherd could identify each one of his sheep by sight. He knew his sheep, and they knew him. Interesting, isn't it? I love what it says in John chapter 10, verse 2 through 4. It says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Interesting, isn't it? I was sharing with the men this morning. I said, you know... I'm just the under-shepherd to the great high shepherd. But as a sheep, I want to know the voice of God. I want to know His voice. We can't know His voice if you're not in the Word. You can't know His voice if you're not in prayer. You can't hear Him if you're not communicating with Him. You see, being a shepherd was lonely. It was worrisome, usually very boring and tedious. And sometimes could be extremely dangerous. Gave them a lot of contact with sheep. But very little exposure to people. No wonder that David in the Old Testament, the shepherd who became king of Israel, was such an accomplished musician. Many shepherds would learn to play the flute or some other instrument because they had hours and hours with nothing to do but watch sheep eat grass. Does that make any of you feel better about your job? Just asking this morning. So when you feel like you don't like it any longer, you could be out watching sheep eat grass. That's a thought for you, right? Shepherds just didn't have much social contact. Put it this way, you probably wouldn't want your daughter to marry one. Just because of the reputation 
that they had. Now let me take a step back for just a moment. Imagine you're God and you want to announce the most amazing, incredible, joyous news ever in an event which will literally change the course of history. The birth of your only son, Jesus Christ. The birth of the one who will be the Savior to the whole world. The one for whom the nation of Israel has been waiting and hoping and praying for thousands of years. Finally, He has come. Joy to the world. Why do you announce it? Who do you tell? Who do you invite to come and see with you? Think about this. When a member, or when a child is born to a member of British royalty, for instance, when Princess Diana's sons Harry and William were born, they didn't send a messenger down to the docks to break the news first to the longshoremen and their fishmongers. They didn't issue personal invitations to the cab drivers of London to come visit Diana and her new infant at Windsor Castle. I'm guessing that any, any announcements or invitations were sent out. They were printed in gold leaf and hand-delivered to political leaders and foreign heads of state. We have to remember, for those others see as a shepherd boy, God may see as a king. The point is that you would expect an event like the birth of Christ to be announced to the most important people in the nation. Political leaders, kings, governors, magistrates, religious leaders, priests, rabbis, synagogues, official. The head of the Jewish ruling council of the Sanhedrin, they would all be invited to worship their Messiah. Military leaders, wealthy merchants, men and women of distinction, the news media, but none of them got the word. Nobody. None of them were invited. Some foreign kings figured it out by following the star of Bethlehem and they informed Herod. But they didn't get an angelic messenger or angel choir or invitation. Only these few poor shepherds, these social and religious outcasts, received the announcements. Announcement. Can you imagine the conductor of the angel choir announcing this to them? As if the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir were to rehearse all year to perform Handel's Messiah, but then give the concert for just the eight guys on the building's maintenance crew, the cleaning crew, tech, its professional cleaning team. Had to throw that in there. It's interesting for me to think God will take those that spend quality time, intimate time, personal time, to proclaim a message. If you look throughout Scripture, I just thought this as, as I was reading down through my notes here. I find it interesting sometimes to think that I've had people say to me, why would God use me? Right? Why would God take somebody such as I and use me? I remember my son-in-law when Ryan was in a jail cell. And that's his story. But he said, you know, it was that, that turning point. It was those moments that he had quality, quiet time with God. And Ryan has not brought it up to me one time. He's brought it up to me about five times and said how I remember those days. And I used to journal and I used to do things. Well, you know why? Because he had a great impact 
inside there. And he also had a great impact outside there. Never forget where you've been. Never forget what you've done. Never forget what you've been through to get where you're at. Because God's saving, saving grace is amazing. You know, we talk a lot about God stories here at our church. Why? Because that's the only thing people will believe. Listen, who is going to believe a stinky, smelly, dirty-looking shepherd boy? They're not going to believe it. But if you have a story that you're passionate about, that God's done something, people will sense it in your life. Your spirit bears witness with one another. That's the Holy Spirit. We sometimes forget that we are of value to Him. That we are children of the Most High God. That He came bringing good news to the world, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. So I put throughout my message everywhere. I wrote it this morning. But when others see a shepherd boy, God may see a king. That was a reminder to me. Sometimes I'm humbled that God uses me to proclaim the gospel to teach other people about his good news. Because that's what the Bible's full of. His good news. But I'm going to ask you this, so why? Why did God do this? Why did he send angels to announce the birth of Christ to these shepherds? To invite them and them only to come and see the child. Why them? Were the shepherds especially pious, unusually holy, in spite of the fact they couldn't participate in any type of organized religion? Were they just outstanding believers in God? It's doubtful. Although the passage does say that when they got the news, they believed what the angels said. And with what the angels told them to do. There's nothing in the text to indicate that they were more religious than anyone else. Were they perhaps expecting this? Were they looking to God to visit them? Could they have anticipated this in any way? No, and in fact, if I'm a shepherd, I'm probably convinced God has no idea who I even am. I don't sacrifice at the temple. I don't show up for the feasts. I don't go to synagogue and my deepest theological discussions are with a bunch of stupid snot-nosed sheep. God does know who I am. He can't think much of me, right? I mean, that's sometimes what we think. So why did God send the angels first to the shepherds? Several possible answers have been proposed, such as the fact that Jesus himself is later called the what? The good shepherd. Caring for us as his flock, but I prefer a simpler explanation for you this morning. God wanted to show that his love does not discriminate on the basis of class or wealth or social standing. He does not respect kings and princes more than wealth or, or social, sta- social standing. He does not respect kings and princes more than hourly labors. He does not value priests and pastors above the people in the pews. God does not show favoritism. He does not give preferential treatment to one group of people over another. His love is available to all on the same basis. Faith in Jesus Christ and faith alone. 
faith in Jesus Christ and faith alone. In fact, many passages of Scripture indicate that God loves to lift up the lowly and humble, while at the same time bringing down the proud and self-satisfied. Follow with me in 2 Samuel. 22:28 says, You save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. Psalm 149.4 says, For the Lord takes delight in His people. He crowns the humble with victory. He crowns the humble with salvation. This is what the Lord says. This is the one I esteem in Isaiah 66. He was humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. And then in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 6. In the same way, ye who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you alone yourselves, with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. In other words, God was demonstrating by his choice of these humble shepherds to be the first to receive the news of Christ's birth, that Jesus was not going to be the Savior of the only political and social and religious elite. Jesus was not going to be the Savior only of kings and governors or popes or priests. Jesus is the Savior of all equally. He doesn't give preference to any group or to any class. Nor does he discriminate on the basis of intelligence or education or wealth or profession or political power, even social standing or any other qualities that human beings judge by. His love is offered indiscriminately to anyone who will repent and believe, anyone who will trust Him as Lord and Savior. So Paul makes the same point in the first letter to Corinthians. And here's what he says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26... He says, brothers and sisters, I'm going to put on my glasses. There we go, so I could see. Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and despised the things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. In other words, God especially likes to use people who are humble and lowly and ordinary because that makes his power and wisdom all more evident. When he uses people who are obviously very gifted and powerful, then the results can be attributed to human effort and human talent. But if he uses people of obviously low to average abilities, then all the credit for the results go to him. So I thought about this. Many years ago, I had a family member... That was in the ministry. And I was down there and I was seeing this, his church. He was uh, on staff of a church about 800. And I'll never forget the comment that was made to me as I was there. I'm like, oh, this place is beautiful. And his wife proceeded to say, (laughs) 
I'm, I'm like looking at her. I'm here. She said, you'd never be able to have this church. What you talking about, Willis? Different strokes just went right through my head right at that moment. Who, who says that to somebody? And as humble as I could, I just turned and I looked at her and said, Who said I filled out an application? Who said I wanted to even come here? I can't even see myself at a church this big. I really can't see you at a church this big. I mean, did I say that? Here's reality. She was measuring what she thought it took to be a part of a ministry like that. For many years, I went to a pastor and I said, I'd like to be ordained. I want to go before the ordination board. I want to be questioned. And I couldn't be. We went for 12 years and I was never ordained. Oh, you need to do more of this and you need to do more of that and you need to do more and you have to have this and you have to have that. And I, I was so tired by all the halves too, I was, I was exhausted. But God can use anybody. God doesn't call the qualified, He qualifies the called. So I like to see a willing, surrendered, sold out, separated, sanctified Christian. Because let me tell you something. It isn't Todd that builds the church. It's God that builds the church. And we labor in vain to build it. Here we are at a turning point. He uses a shepherd. And all throughout Scripture in the Old Testament, Jesse looks at Samuel and says, You don't want my son. But the Scripture says that David was good looking, that he was sharp, that he was a man after God's own heart. And Jesse's trying to take over where God was trying to say, no, I need that man to do my work because I already know his heart. See, we have a tendency to think that everybody must look this part, walk this part, talk this part, dress this part. But in reality, God just wants us surrendered. Are you a shepherd? Do you have a heart of a shepherd? Do you have a heart of a servant? Teach the men in, in this morning's discipleship class. We we're talking about an armor bearer. A shepherd is probably one of the greatest armor bearers that are out there. And throughout Scripture, it teaches what an armor bearer is. It says that Jesus came to serve, not to be, not to be served. But it's always great when God will take someone that you never would think in a million years that could be a pastor, a ministry leader, whoever the individual might be, and God just does something great in their life and uses them. It's never too late. It's never too late, church, to, to, to grab a whole backup and say, God, you know, here I am. I might just be a blueberry pie. <laughs> but I'm a value. That's what Trish said a couple weeks ago. But I am a value. Let God use you where you're at. So when you get to the end of yourself, you get to the beginning of God. So we understand that. And I know that 
it's humbling for me. It really is humbling that, that I get the great privilege of standing up here and to see what God has done because it, to me, is amazing. And I tell everybody. I tell everybody the story of this church. I tell everybody the story of Riverside Drive. I tell everybody the story of the Court Cultural Center. I tell everybody the story of the church on the deck. Don't lose sight of what God has done. And the shepherd boys, listen, do you know every year, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about shepherds? Think about that. What are they going to say about you? What are the people going to say about you and your life and your walk? And how is it that you're going to mirror the image of Christ? When others see you just as a shepherd boy, God may see you as a king. God can see you as a leader. God sees you of value. So I want to say this in closing. What does all this mean? What does all this mean to me? Well, if you identify with the shepherds, it should be very encouraging. Perhaps you see yourself as a kind of an outsider looking in. I imagine that many nights as the shepherds sat out in those cold, lonely fields with nothing but dumb animals to keep them company. They looked over at the village, saw the lights of the homes, and heard the faint sound of families. People laughing and wished, just wished they could be a part of that. Maybe you felt that way too. Not one of the beautiful people, not especially wealthy or powerful or influential, not likely to ever see your name in the paper for some great accomplishment on the fringes socially. Maybe when you compare your level of religious observance to others, the comparison just isn't favorable. Spotty church attendance, little Bible reading, infrequent prayer, You think that if God is even aware you exist, He probably doesn't have a very favorable opinion of you. And you know what? A lot of people deep down secretly feel like that. Even people you would think of as having it all together. On the surface, everything is going great. But on the inside, On the inside, you just don't feel like you truly fit in. You feel like God doesn't really care or couldn't care about someone like you. But God loves you. And if any one of that description strikes a chord with you, then I have some good news. Great news probably the best news possible. God loves you. God loves you. Just like He loved the shepherds. And you are special to Him. Just like the shepherds were special to Him. So special that He gave them the incredible privilege of being the first to hear of Christ's birth. Being the first people other than Joseph and Mary to lay eyes on On the Son of God. Being the first to tell others about Christ. He didn't give those privileges to the Roman Caesar, to the Jewish high priest. He gave it to the shepherds. Not in spite of who they were. 
but because of who they were. Humble, ordinary people with no high opinions of themselves. Simple people who were willing to simply believe that God told them and to simply do what God commanded them to do. When they heard the news, they didn't seek out the religious professionals for a second opinion. They simply accepted what the angels told them when they were invited to visit Bethlehem to see the newborn Messiah. But they didn't worry about who was going to watch their sheep. They didn't get bogged down in debates about how they were going to find one small baby in such a large town such as Bethlehem. They simply obeyed and they went. They simply obeyed and they went. Will you do that today? Will you do that today? God didn't send an angel to give you the news, but he did send me and he did give you his word, the Bible. God isn't inviting you today just like he invited the shepherds. I said, God is inviting you. I don't know if that came out. God isn't. God is inviting you today. Will you acknowledge your need of forgiveness and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. You don't need to be a genius or a member or in the crowd. You just need to believe and obey and listen to Christ's promises. It says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life have everlasting life. And in John 6, 37, it says, Then whoever comes to me, I will in no way drive away. I will no way ever, never, ever, ever cast away, drive away. I kind of, just saying, in the glorious position that I hold from Monday through Saturday, sometimes Sunday evenings, as I will run home and I put on my shepherd outfit, consists of sometimes red Adidas pants with a red Adidas jacket. And I put on that shirt that says, Tackett's Professional Cleaning, Todd. And I grab my shepherd staff, my vacuum sweeper, and I go to work. And I love the responses that I'll get from people. You're a what? You're a who? I didn't know you were a pastor. Oh, interesting, isn't it? That such a humble position, such a lowly position in the company as just the guy that goes in when people walk out and go, <clears throat> poo-poo on the toilet. Can you clean it up? And they do that to us. Uh, <clears throat> Could you please come up in my office and change my trash? I've got a cup in it, and it's been sitting here for two days. Okay, we get it. But no matter what role you play, no matter what position you have, you have the great privilege and pleasure of proclaiming the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. So the cleaning guy 
was called to start a church. I started our cleaning company for one reason, and that was to help small churches that couldn't afford a full-time pastor. That's how we started it 27 years ago. So it was able to take care of our family, and now it takes care of my extended family, and it's taken care of a lot of, a lot of people. It's been a blessing. One time I asked those that were in the congregation, how many of you have cleaned with me? Half the congregation raised their hands. <laughs> I said, hey, we're all just out there in the field attending to our flocks. <laughs> but it kind of hit me when I was watching Chosen. And I saw that shepherd boy. And I, w- I was actually watching it this past week, and I, it really did. It hit me hard. Because I, as I was watching it, I thought, man, this is amazing. They disregarded him. They disrespected him. I'll tell you this. You ready? I didn't get... Did we get, babe, did we get one Christmas card from any one of our accounts this year? One. Did we get... Yeah, you received one. We got one. Think about that. And we're out serving people every single day. Some of our accounts, we have full-time staff there that are serving constantly. But it's not about the card. It's not about the acknowledgement. But a month ago, in one of our accounts, when one of the ladies lost her father-in-law, she called me up on the phone and said, Pastor Todd, which is kind of interesting, can you officiate the service? I had the great privilege of talking about John 14 and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So maybe we're not always acknowledged in the positions that we have. Maybe sometimes it's difficult for some of us to identify with the shepherds. But I know I can. I know what it's like. And I know it's, it's kind of comical sometimes and interesting when people will, and they have showed up at church before, and they're like, you're the pastor here? I had somebody say, we drove up 532. Your name was on a sign. Are you the pastor there? <laughs> Just asked by the go, yes, that's my church. You didn't tell us you were a pastor. No, because I was just a shepherd here. I wanted to serve them. And I didn't want them to lose perspective. People lose perspective all the time. So let's do this. There's a battle to be fought. There are victories to be won this year. And God needs you. Are you available? Are you ready to pick up the torch for Christ? Are you ready to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ like the shepherds? And don't worry about what your position is and, you know, what kind of money you make. You could just say, God, here I am. Use me. Because it doesn't matter. Just be the one that could proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what this world needs more than anything. People need Jesus. And that's what I love about the shepherd boy. Yes, when others might just see a shepherd boy or girl, I know that God sees a king and he sees you. And that's valuable. Let's rise to our feet. Father, we thank you for this great privilege to be able to proclaim your word, to spread the word. 
At this time of the year, Father, I pray that, that people will see Christ in our life, that we'll understand that no matter what position we hold or where we're at in life, that we have a great responsibility, much like the shepherds, to proclaim the story of the newborn king. And so, Father, we thank you that we're here today just to be able to enjoy the benefits of worship, enjoy the benefits of praise. God, we thank you for those that came this Christmas weekend. Lord, I pray for those that are sick. Oh, goodness. It saddens me that there are so many that are dealing with COVID. They've got a cold. They're under the weather. But, Father, I know that greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. God, help us to conquer this, overcome this. It was a dark time when the Messiah came into this world, and it's still a very dark, dark place in this world. Father, churches, and you know this, you can see it, churches are closing. Pastors are resigning. Families are being torn apart. Because, Father, we don't understand our value. Maybe it's during this time, God, that some that might not be preaching the gospel. You're closing the doors for a reason. God, whatever the case might be, I pray, Father, that you use our imperfections. And that everything that is done in our life, Father, that you will use us. You will perfect us. That, Lord, we will we'll surrender to your will in our life. Father, forgive us for our pride, for being so proud that, Lord, we just forgotten about you. But Lord, as we go into 2022, Lord, we're, we're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in this year, Father, thank you for being with us. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for being with my wife. And all my kids, thank you, Father, for being with this church. Thank you, Father, for your hand upon so many that have recovered through illness, that have been healed. Thank you, Father, for helping those that were seeking employment. God, you showed your grace and provision and gave them a new job. God, thank you for using us. God, this is your church. And Father, I want everything to be done, to be done to glorify you and to praise you. So God, continue to use this body as just shepherds. Being willing to proclaim your love and your light to the world. So as we embark upon next year, God, anoint this church. Anoint this community. God, let us fill this place up to see your word continue to be proclaimed throughout the world. Father, use us. Reshape us. Mold us to be like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.